All right, B-listers, you know the drill. This is your official spoiler alert for the episode. If you don't want any spoilers, stop the episode now. And if you don't care about spoilers, hold on to your seats because this episode starts now. critics welcome to another episode of the b critics podcast this movie is a continuation of a beloved classic halloween movie a little scary a little slasher a little cheesy but that's to be expected yes definitely all of those things but before we really get into it let's tell the people where to find us you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube at Be Critics Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow our Instagram for all the best movie content. Also, if you love our show and want to support us, be sure you're sharing with friends and family or just fellow movie lovers that you encounter. That's the best way to support us. Yeah, definitely. Definitely subscribe. Definitely share with a friend. We really, really appreciate it. Okay. I think it's time to get into the episode. All right. So our guest critic for this episode is Martin from the Film versus Film podcast. Hi, Martin. Welcome to the B Critics. Hello. It is a pleasure to be here. Hi, Martin. <laughs> pleasure to have pleasure you. Pleasure to have you. Yeah. <laughs> We're really Thank excited you. to have you here after recording with you on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> we'll link it in the show notes. So if anyone wants oh, to go nice. listen. Cool. Yeah, you can check it out there. Yeah, the uh, the kitchen knives were out on that one for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, why do we always watch like relatively scary movies with you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's becoming a trend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my god! Season though, so it's perfect. Yeah. All right, Martin. So we're gonna give you a chance here to introduce yourself. So tell us who you who you are how you're associated with the movie industry, and then tell us a little bit about Film versus Film podcast. Cool. Yeah. So I'm Martin. I'm the host of the Film versus Film podcast. Like before I did the podcast, I did a bit of like amateur, like filmmaking. I did some uh, documentaries in like Asia, uh, in India and Laos, filming teachers and things like that. So I've always kind of had like the filmmaking bug. Uh, and And then you know, as everyone knows, the pandemic happened. So that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of podcasts were born, Mm -hmm. uh, like mine. So me and my buddy, uh, Boaz, uh, not currently doing it. He's taking a bit of a break right now, but hopefully he'll be back. So we have a look at like cinema releases or streaming releases, and we pick a subject from, from that release, like a director, an actor, or a genre. And I get the guest to or Boaz to pick like a film from that subject I pick one or me and Boaz collectively pick one and we talk about films uh in terms of directing writing and acting and we kind of score it out of 10 and you you may use decimals if you want some people don't like decimals some people really do they get really into (laughs) it which is fun yeah um and then and then you know we 
you know, you do do that process twice and see who wins. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And we do like legend episodes as well if there's not a release out. So someone that's sadly passed away or like mm-hmm. someone that's had a really long career or just done a lot of shit in movies and <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. pick subjects around that. And we do spoiler specials as well. Um, I guess when this comes out, we'll be doing like a spoiler on the exorcist believer Mm, Uh, and we've currently got one out as well for the creator as well oh sweet cool i know that we had so much fun on your podcast (laughs) it's a really really cool concept for a podcast and i love being able to compare the two films and like kind of get out of my comfort zone too because we watched one of the movies we watched was altered states which i never would have watched on my own so that was cool right All right, Martin. Well, thank you so much for introducing yourself. (laughs) And we've come to the point now where it's time to introduce the movie. So, Martin, if you'd like the honor. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So when Liz messaged me about like what films uh, I had the choice to uh, for choosing from. So it was like uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas or... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Halloween 2018 and I was like that is such an easy choice I'm, <laughs> I'm going with the nightmare before Christmas and then I was um, like hang on a sec <laughs> hold up I was like wait what <laughs> did not watch in hang on when the B critics were on my podcast they had their kitchen knives out and <laughs> There were some interesting scores. So I was like, you guys are scary. I'm like, I'm protecting <laughs> the nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> oh, no, we would have loved it. That knives. was my recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know, you can poke Michael Myers like a pinata for this one. That's totally fine. <laughs> oh, we definitely will. Or at least I, I will. I don't know about you, Liz, but... <laughs> Oh, I've seen Liz's letterbox score for the original. I was like, what? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) You should really keep that quiet for diehard (laughs) Halloween fans. (laughs) I am glad that we're watching it, though, and discussing it because it is such a like a classic movie. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to discuss like a modern the modern version of this movie. And it like it never goes away. I feel like they're going to keep making these movies like forever yeah well this recent news out i don't know if you've heard that like a24 have like bought the rights for the halloween uh, I franchise saw that. i that's did cool. see that but like I as like a tv a show so mm-hmm. i feel like that's kind of a really interesting way they could take it and i've mm-hmm. read as well that they could like build that as a cinematic thing as well so i yeah. could totally yeah. see that i like when i was watching this movie I had the feeling like right when it started that I was like, this feels like a TV show. Like I've never yeah. watched a movie and felt like I was watching like a TV series. It's like, I feel like like so much could happen and it um, we'll talk about it more, but I think it could do well as a TV series. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. With things like, I, I, I mean, I very much doubt like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis would come back for that. I think she's a bit <laughs> Halloween out, you know, yeah. worn out by these films. <laughs> she's she's done her lot, time, so, you know. <laughs> but yeah, they could explore like more of the themes that these films go for, especially in this one, like with um, you know trauma 
uh, and how that affects someone that's had to live with such a traumatic event for such a long time. So mm-hmm. I would I would think that kind of subject works better on TV than in this film. <laughs> yeah. Liz, do you want to give the movie of the episode description? Yeah. So Halloween 2018, at this point, 40 years has gone by since Michael Myers first hunted Laurie Strode. While being transported from his incarceration facility, Michael causes the bus to crash and escapes. Wildly enough, he is able to find his way back to Haddonfield to finish what he started 40 years earlier. But this time, Laurie is ready for him. She spent the last 40 years preparing the perfect trap for Michael that even he won't see coming. Laurie insists the help of her or enlists the help of her daughter and granddaughter to execute the man who's been haunting her ever since that horrible night in 1978. Will the trio of final women be able to complete their mission or will Michael claim three lives this Halloween? So this movie is a direct sequel to the original 1978 Halloween movie, Mm -hmm. which I think is cool because there's been a lot of other movies in between. And I thought that was probably a good choice to just kind of like toss out some of the other storylines and just like have this one Mm -hmm. be like a clean storyline because it made it easy for somebody like me to like jump in and follow it and enjoy it yeah there's even like a line from uh allison's character where that they're like talking about it and like her friend says like didn't people think michael myers was your was your grandmother's brother like oh no that's just something that people made up i'm like wow that's that's ballsy to like just completely disregard entire movies in the franchise you know (laughs) yeah that's hilarious um so this movie is an hour 46 minutes long it's a horror movie kind of like a crime movie to a thriller it's rated r as it should be it's pretty gory and this particular one came out in 2018. So that's exactly 40 years after the original film. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, and this film, the producer was Malik Akkad, who is the son of Mustafa Akkad, who was the producer of the original 1978 um, Halloween movie, which I thought was cool. That's cool. This one is a Bloomhouse Productions movie. Which I think they're known for, like paranormal activity. Is there, like, claim to they fame? do horror, like all kinds of horror? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a certainly a, a horror studio that's really kind of um, doing pretty well. Like at the moment, they did like Megan this year. Oh, cool. Um, Didn't they do The Exorcist too? I think so. Yeah. And they yeah, did the was... Netflix original Totally Killer too. Mm, and oh, Gal, cool. I believe. Mm-hmm. And then it was distributed by Universal Pictures. The director on this one is David Gordon Green. And notable cast members. We'll talk about more. But we've got Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays Laurie Strode. She's the same character as the original. Um, Judy Greer plays her daughter, Karen. And Andy Matichok plays uh, Karen's daughter. So Laurie's granddaughter, Allison. Mm-hmm. And then I already mentioned this, but this one is the 11th installment in the film series. So it's a direct, but it's a direct sequel to the original Halloween movie. Yeah. Just 40 years later. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never seen the original Halloween movie. 
Um, and I know you both have. So I'm curious <laughs> to like hear a little bit of how you think it compares. Like, obviously, the way the movie is made is going to be different because it, the, so much has happened with technology in the industry. But not only that, I think like audiences are a little bit different than they were back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, but curious to hear like how y'all think they compare. So when I first saw this one, like uh, I used when I was quite little, like 10, between 10 to 13, like I used to have like birthday parties, like sleepovers with my friends and like mm -hmm. we would watch scary movies. And the first one uh, we watched was like Alien and only mm -hmm. one of my friends <laughs> stayed downstairs. Everyone went upstairs to watch The Emperor's New Groove. Um, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? also a great film. Uh, that was such a, an amazing experience watching Alien for the first time, like not knowing any 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 of the actors in that. So when I was quite small, so then I was like, Dad, we need to watch more scary movies on Fridays. <laughs> so and then the next one was like Halloween, nineteen seventy eight, and I, wow, it was just incredibly scary watching it that young i mean my dad just didn't really care that much was like yeah it's fine it's only a movie mm -hmm. um, but like a typical dad move <laughs> yeah so yeah it, it really kind of freaked me out that that movie <laughs> i think it's just because it was it just felt so real and it, I, I think it kind of made it scarier with the fact that we watched it on vhs i guess showing my age now but <laughs> you know it has that kind of grainy quality um mm -hmm. And what's great about the the original film, it just has atmosphere. There's just bags of atmosphere. It really creates that really creepy, scary tension throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and then with that's the then then with this one, it's like not there in my opinion. Like that's one of the biggest disappointments for this sequel. That just. You can basically tell that David Gordon Green is not an experienced horror director. Um, yeah, he's not. Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> and you can you can tell. <laughs> yeah, the so I you already alluded to this, Martin. I did not like the original, um, yeah. but I will say something the original did really well that the 2018, which 2018 is not a remake; it's the sequel, no. yeah. which mm -hmm. I think was smart not to do a remake because remakes don't no people are just going to be upset about it um yeah. but they didn't utilize the music like in the original the mu the theme music that they have is like a constant throughout the film like every time you mm. hear the music you know like okay like it's building suspense you're like all right where is he like yeah you know you're looking for him and all that and they i think they only played the theme one time in the 2018 version, which is... Yeah, which is weird because, like, yeah. John Carpenter created a new score for this film. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, mm -hmm. really? <laughs> the only using it, you know, very little for this film is, is kind of bizarre for me. Literally bringing yeah. back this legend of, of horror who directed the first film and wrote the music for the first film as well. And mm -hmm. you're, like, hardly using the music. That seems odd to me. Yeah, I, that is weird. I noticed it as somebody who's only seen this one. Like, I noticed it and thought it was pretty creepy. And I, I've obviously, maybe not obviously, but I've heard the music before. Like I recognized it yeah. immediately as like, oh, that's like classic iconic horror movie music. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Yeah. But I will say too. So with the original, it's like purely a slasher. 
there's no yeah. it's not really a mystery like they don't yeah. build up the storyline at all it's literally just like this michael person who's seriously messed up and he's killing women and like i that's that's just like not my kind of content but like i can mm. see how especially like people like our parents age like seeing that for the first time was probably really scary because stuff like that didn't happen mm. back in the 70s and early 80s or at least you didn't hear about it well it and did so and it was scary right that's like when ted bundy was big and like other big serial killers like it probably was mm. was kind of scary for them back then yeah um so i think i think just like the amount of content that's out there having seen like a whole bunch of other scary stuff recently and then watching that i was just kind of like oh like it's, <laughs> i don't know it's not the same but i can see how it's yeah. like i can see how it's become this like cult classic because of who's in it and like michael myers has just become this icon that mm. everybody recognizes and the music and all that stuff I think it's also like the mask design is is really yeah. interesting. Like this, I mean, the first film is kind of really cheap as well, like really mm-hmm. low budget stuff. They, uh, the makeup, the special effects dudes like found a or just I don't know went to the Star Trek set and just got a, <laughs> a, a Captain Kirk mask and like painted it white, dyed the hair brown, uh, and that was it. And it's just kind of like this you know this emotionless face it's got mm-hmm. it's got kind of a weird expression on its face and that that's always kind of scary i guess uh certainly in both of these i think the mask work in in this film is actually really good i like how it's like really aged as well over, mm-hmm. you can tell it's been aged over four years which is good because if you watch a lot of the other films i haven't seen all of them but i've seen some but like some of the masks like in h2o it's dreadful it's really bad so they get that (laughs) right (laughs) yeah this one so christopher nelson is the makeup visual effects guy Mm. on the movie and they did a life cast of michael myers face to make the mask for this one which is like where you do the whole like mold of your face thing did they get william shatner for that or was (laughs) i i don't know (laughs) that's all all the information i know to be honest So, Martin, you just brought up the budget for the original. It was severely low budget. It was a $300,000 budgeted film. And half of the budget Mm. went to purchasing the camera that they used to film it. Yes. (laughs) It was crazy low budget. Mm. Um, Because it was quite revolutionary at the time. Because I'm guessing you're saying, Liz, that they they spent a lot of money on the Steadicam stuff because mm-hmm. certainly the POV shots in that opening scene, that was pretty iconic and not widely seen mm-hmm. uh, in a horror movie in particular at that time. So literally just using the camera as Michael Myers' eyes as a six-year-old mm-hmm. in that opening scene, like that was pretty, pretty new. Yeah, I thought that scene, uh, we're talking about the original, not the 2018 yeah. version, <laughs> but in the original... When he, and you see like the little boy hand like come in and it looks so silly now, but I'm sure yeah. at the time <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, like the somebody's arm, like it was probably really, really cool at the time. Yeah. I always find it odd in that film where he's literally, the camera's like watching his own arm, like stabbing his sister. <laughs> like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Okay. 
Are y'all ready to get into talking about the 2018 version of this movie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. That's the annoying thing about this franchise as well. Now we have three films that are called mm-hmm. just called Halloween. Halloween. I'm like, great. Couldn't if this film be called Halloween Returns? I think that was the working title for this film. So that's a little frustrating. <laughs> so this yeah, film will just be known as Halloween 2018, frankly. They honestly could have just named it Michael Myers. Well, I, I think Halloween Returns is a good name because it like mm. gives a sense of it being like the direct sequel to the original movie. Like it's weird yeah. that it's called the same name because it, let's your point, it makes you think it's a like a remake, but it's not. Yeah, it's so, not. Yeah, yeah. It's like Which I'm Scream. glad it's not. It's like with Scream when they brought out the new one. It's just called Scream. I'm like, why? <laughs> when Especially <laughs> the latest one's called Scream 6. So I'm like, well, can't you just change the title to, Scre- to make it cool? I don't know. Scream 5. Really- it's annoying. <laughs> they're doing sequels to anything they can these days. And I feel like yeah. they're trying to make them like modern for like the modern audiences. And I think that's why they're not naming them sequels. Cause I think like somebody who hasn't watched the original Halloween might be more likely to watch this movie if they think it's like its own thing, as opposed to being connected to like that older movie, even though yeah. it is like it probably attracts a wider audience that way. You definitely can, too, watch the 2018 movie without having seen the original and still understand what's going on. Like, they do enough backstory that it's not – like, you're not going to be confused. Yeah, I agree. I think – I do think you would probably get, like, a little bit more from this movie if you had seen the original. So, like, I haven't. So, like, there's Mm. moments where, like, when they first bring out the mask or when they first see Michael Myers in the beginning, like, I feel like those moments would have been more impactful if you are somebody who had seen the original. And especially, like, Martin, like, for you, like, having seen it when you were so young, like, I I think it almost is, like, a nostalgia thing. It's like, wow, this is cool. Like, get to see these people, get to see Jamie Lee Curtis, like, in the same role, but, like, way older, like, how neat. And, like, I didn't have that feeling while i was watching this so i think that probably detracts from my viewing experience of it Mm. i mean there's definitely some callbacks to the original one like there's a shot where uh andy i can't remember his second name but uh, allison's character Mm -hmm. uh, looks out the window and it's like laurie in in the original film it's michael um and then like Mm -hmm. uh in the last scene like they kind of uh swap um role they yeah the roles are kind of reversed in the, in the last becomes scene the prey <laughs> yeah where like laurie is kind of hunting um michael because uh, they kind of like start the scene in the basement she, like laurie like shoots through the floorboards mm-hmm. and it sounds like she's injured michael so then she goes up the stairs uh kind of a cool thing though kind of uh cool like hidden basement i I quite like that she goes up the stairs and then she's kind of hunting michael and and like in every room like she sees if he's in there and like these kind of garage type doors she thought of everything yeah she was like i am not gonna get caught by this guy again (laughs) yeah that scene was by far my favorite scene in the movie oh yeah um because i think it was the scariest because like she's like walking around and like trying to figure out where he is and you know he's in there somewhere so like Mm. you know he's about to jump out and like i don't know something about that scene i was like oh shit like this movie wasn't for me it wasn't scary until that point yeah Mm -hmm. because then when like laurie is is approaching the wardrobe 
you know, in the original film, it was, it was the other way around. You know, Laurie was hiding in the wardrobe. Oh, okay. And then there's a shot um, where, like, Michael throws uh, Laurie out the window. And in the last movie, uh, Dr. Loomis shoots Michael out the window as well. But mm-hmm. they both kind of, like, disappear in both films. So that, that was kind of a cool nod to fans. Yeah. Yeah, the one you said from the beginning where she's sitting in class and looks out and her grandma's out there, like as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, I know what this (laughs) is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the writing of the movie because we've kind of been dancing around it, but it has a really cool premise in that it is the sequel. Um, And so Danny McBride was brought on to write. He worked with the director... Um, David Gordon Green and also he brought on Jeff Bradley and so the premise that they built is that Jamie Lee Curtis's character Lori has been like prepping ever since Michael Myers got caught um, for like a like, kind of like acting like a doomsday prepper and she <laughs> sucked her own daughter into it and built this like elaborate like booby trapped house so that her and um her family can like hide out underneath while they hunt down Michael. So um, I I liked it. And I think Jamie Lee Curtis liked it so much that it convinced her to like actually return for this movie. Yeah. I quite like that angle with, um, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is really suffering from trauma for 40 years. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of on the edge of being very kind of crazy. And I kind of like those scenes where, She's like really anxious going to like a family dinner with her granddaughter and her daughter, you know, uh, and the dad who was really annoying. But um, <laughs> and she like drinks yes. the wine and she's just chugging wine. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of very awkward that scene. Um, it was awkward. It was very cringy. I was like, oh god, that did not need to happen. <laughs> yeah, so I I kind of really related to that. I kind of I I I kind of like that aspect of her character um and there's definitely a lot of like sarah connor terminator 2 vibes going on here with a lot of like the shotgun training and stuff with all the mannequins uh yeah so i don't know whether it's going a bit too far for me with like the whole trauma stuff of you know um like as you say courtney like completely booby trapping her house and literally waiting for michael myers to return you know Mm -hmm. and completely alienating her family so i don't know if they take it a little bit too far there but i like the idea it's something very new that the franchise hasn't really tackled before yeah i thought i really appreciated that they wrote in Lori's character to be like the same kind of like oddball outcast girl she was in the original and it, I mean, obvi- it's being portrayed by the same actress. So, I mean, that's part of it as well. But they did a good job, like, writing in her being, like, awkward. It's not like she, like, grew up and became, like, a normal person. Because she wasn't normal in the mm-hmm. original one. So I think it, like, all kind of, like, fits and goes together. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I feel like sometimes you can sense 
the like David Gordon Green isn't the best horror director in the world when like Laurie comes into her daughter's house like testing whether it's safe or not <laughs> she comes around and is like bang you're dead I'm like what <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> it was a little yeah. funny to me I was like mm, okay <laughs> yeah and like um, Danny McBride is like a comedy writer too yeah so I wonder if like aspects of that hurt this also it, yeah it definitely hurt it. yeah <laughs> i'm like you've got two cops there's a scene where there's two cops talking about like sandwiches i'm like that was actually really okay funny, <laughs> why and he here? brought him like a peanut butter and jelly banh mi sandwich yeah <laughs> very random addition to the script it just sure. it definitely just cuts the tension and suspense in the film we like i was not expecting this and then like with the dad when he says, oh, I got peanut butter on my penis. It's just like, what? Yeah, I wasn't what expecting was to hear that type of line in the Halloween. I, <laughs> I rewinded the movie because I was <laughs> watching I it miss? and I was like, wait, whoa, how did that happen? And then I was like, oh, yep, just randomly line dropped. Okay, guess that's how this movie's going to go. And also as well with like Allison's character, like I, f- I feel like the focus was a little bit lost on Laurie because like this is what kind of fans were very excited about was like the return of of Laurie Strode and I feel like mm-hmm. you know I really like uh Andy what's her second name I Matichak Matichak um mm-hmm. yeah I thought she was great but like I feel like she goes through way too way more trauma than Laurie does in the first film one like yeah. obviously she is uh locked in the back of that uh cop car with Michael Myers and he's like right there unconscious oh my god that must be absolutely terrifying and then obviously she has the whole ordeal with Michael at the end also like at the party she sees her boyfriend uh kiss another girl so she's bummed with that and then the third wheeler tries to kiss her as well it's just like wow that's a lot to deal with I just feel like if they (laughs) reboot this film again (laughs) uh Allison will be like I don't know Sarah Connor times two (laughs) yeah i was kind of surprised in general just to see so much storyline honestly in this movie like it was good to have it but i feel like this movie is just known as being like a slasher with like scream queens and like that's sort Mm. of what i was expecting going in so to get so much backstory about the family like i think it was nice to tie it to the first movie because it probably made it like not just like a direct like remake feeling yeah um but it was a really interesting choice for it being a thriller like horror movie because i feel like for me it made it less scary right yeah i and if you've read my letterboxd review of the original you know this already but that was like the main thing I didn't like about the original is that there was no backstory. There was like okay. no storyline at all. It's literally just like this wacko kid kills his sister. Yeah. They lock him up. All of a sudden he's this all evil man and he's like out to kill these random women for so whatever random. reason he selected these, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. And so I, that I liked that about this one, the 2018 version that it had the storyline and you, it like helps you understand like, a little bit more about what's going on they still don't really explain Mm. michael myers and why he's crazy and he's like a juggernaut like they shoot Mm. him and he doesn't go down he gets stabbed like 50 times like yeah (laughs) i have no idea what's up with that i think that's supposed to be like 
mysterious though in the movie like i think it's but mm. that's the element of not knowing that is supposed to freak you out because you're like sitting there like what the heck is this dude like why mm-hmm. what keeps calling him an animal and like the psychiatrist guy is so interested in him like he's obsessed. i'm terrified <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's what the halloween franchise has always kind of explored and that's kind of like what the big appeal is for these films certainly for me is just like this exploration exploration of what like evil actually is like mm-hmm. you kind of get that from the doctor but he's certainly no donald pleasance in the first film like donald pleasance really brings that kind of element to the fold in, in the original film like really well for me mm-hmm. um you don't quite get that really in this but i kind of like how they they're still keeping like the supernatural element here but it's all kind of subtle so I, I kind of I do like the mystery that um that there is kind of an, a supernatural element that he is he could be evil or is it just like a uh a, a, you know a mental health thing or mm-hmm. it, it's always left very open and I, I do kind of like the fact that it's not really answered they definitely yeah. go into it a little bit more and in Halloween Kills, and unfortunately, with Halloween Ends, it's dreadful. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but certainly, I think there's only like one line in this one where he's like, "Oh, I, I," from the doctor, where he's like, "Oh, I listened to the to Michael's chest and I heard nothing." Um, in the like in the very early scenes, he says that. Um, yeah, so I I always find that's really interesting. Oh, that's weird about like how they explore the definition of what evil actually is Mm because um but then like going back to the first well going back to like the seek the original sequels like the storyline with that is that in halloween 2 um laurie strode was uh, michael myers's sister so Mm -hmm. but they completely drop that but they don't particularly do anything different either in this one so it's just like so what's the point in like not making michael myers uh you know and laurie brother and sister so it Mm -hmm. they're not really doing anything particularly yeah it wouldn't have changed anything if they had kept that in there to be honest yeah because the motivation seems to be the same like she's you know michael is still going after laurie but like they're just not siblings anymore so (laughs) yeah so what's the motivation here so it, what I got yeah. from that whole interaction where she was telling her friends like, oh, like that's just something somebody made up. I kind of assumed that her mom was like embarrassed and that's like just what her mom told her and like didn't want the world to know that they were associated with that, I guess. I don't know. There was right. a lot that they did in this film to try and show like the divide between Lori and her daughter, Karen, like. I feel like that was just like another part mm. of it. Like they never really explain like is she the sister? Is she not? Like yeah. It could have just been like the family trying to say like no, like we're not mm. actually related even though they might be cuz people do weird things. <laughs> yeah. So the story opens with two journalists or they're actually podcasters. And they visit the mental hospital where Michael Myers is, I guess, kept or housed, Um, which this place looked so weird. It was actually shot in Mm. a military academy. And then this is where we get introduced to 
Michael Myers. And he's actually played by the original guy who portrayed Michael Myers in the 78 film, Nick Castle. And then he also is portrayed by a stunt double throughout the film named James Jude Courtney. Yeah, I hated those characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what's kind of fun about these films is the fact that it's it's kind of fun watching Michael Myers kill stupid characters. Um, yeah. <laughs> they were kind of stupid characters. <laughs> I didn't really understand yeah. the point of them. I guess other than just to introduce him and like the history of him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think their whole shtick was their like trying to like prove that these like people who've been incarcerated for a long time maybe like didn't do anything or that they like didn't deserve to be incarcerated or whatever mm-hmm. and then for them to be like killed by him just like is it's poetic <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i quite you know I, I quite enjoyed like the opening scene you know it, it kind of creates some really great um atmosphere i think when he when uh aaron cory like takes out the mask you know and mm-hmm. when you see it for the first time and like michael doesn't really move or, or he kind of like moves his head slightly like you can he can feel the presence of the mask again that was kind of cool but so it kind of builds and builds and builds but then it just cuts to the credits so i was like oh okay <laughs> there's no like dramatic satisfying moment he's like oh it's the credits now i'm like oh okay well why <laughs> yeah yeah, they yeah. waited until after the credits. We didn't get the first real like horror element of this film for like a while. Mm. Like you're like quite a bit into it before he kills anyone, before you realize that he's like out. Like there's yeah. You go a long time. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I mean, certainly those first scenes where the, the podcasters do get killed i quite like that at the petrol station where wait i think you see um aaron like filling up the car and you can see like michael in, in his white clothes like walk uh in the background and it's all kind of blurry still so that was quite cool mm-hmm. and then when uh diana dana um is like asking for the loo <laughs> where she's like do you know where the loo is or bathroom i'm like oh god we don't talk like that (laughs) Um, not everyone talks like that i mean come on Uh, and then you can see like michael myers like beating on someone in the background it's kind of quite small Mm -hmm. but you can see it which I, i quite liked um but then the teeth thing was weird so i was like yeah why is it his teeth did he pull someone else's teeth out? I mean, if it is his teeth, I'm like, part of me was like, I felt a bit sorry for him because clearly in that hospital, they have really poor dental care. So he was like, I am not, I'm fed up with this teeth now. I'm just going to use it for intimidation instead. <laughs> um, yeah, that that was a bit strange. Um, and also kind of the fight. I really didn't like because I feel like in Halloween films, you're not really supposed to see his face and you could see Nick Castle's face a lot. I was like, no, oh, stop it. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of supposed to be from his point of view. Like you're yeah. watching, like you're, you're, you are him while he's killing someone. Yeah. They don't do that at all in this, in the new movie. I didn't, at least I don't remember if they did. Mm. 
So it's interesting whether they're trying to contextualize why Michael Myers doesn't talk because he hasn't got any teeth. So uh. <laughs> I, didn't, I definitely didn't pick up on that. Um, Can I you just imagine that though? Weird dude. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to kill you. No. Yeah, one thing. One thing I will say about that scene though that it established with this movie is that like this is a sl- like it is a slasher film because at that point I was like oh they just like spent like a decent amount of time like telling you who these podcasters were and like what they're doing and then they're just dead okay goodbye (laughs) so that kind of introduced to me like okay like they're going to introduce other characters that are just going to die and that's exactly Mm. what happened I was pleased they died though I was like yay you were annoying (laughs) yeah they it didn't like take from the movie that they weren't involved (laughs) no I agree I didn't think they were like exceptional actors or characters so Mm. nope so we're gonna talk about a couple other people that were cast in the movie um so judy greer was cast as jamie lee curtis's daughter in the movie i thought she was perfect i loved greer i thought she was a little bit underutilized too because i think Mm -hmm. she's pretty good she can do more than that role yeah, yeah I, I did feel sorry for her at times because sometimes she has some really bad dialogue to... Yeah, I agree. I was when, like, I've seen her in so yeah. much other stuff where she's really good. And I just think in this movie, she like didn't have the opportunity to really like showcase that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, in the scene where I mentioned before where like Laurie is testing out how unsafe their house is <laughs> and she basically kicks Laurie out, I think. And she's like, no, our, you know, not everyone's life is full of darkness and stuff you know life can be full of light and love i'm like mm-hmm. sorry, shut up people speak <laughs> like that in america i don't think no. so <laughs> no no we definitely don't definitely not no <laughs> yeah the only point in the movie or the best part for her that really like showcased judy greer and it was a shame that it took this long but it was the final scene oh yeah where she shoots yeah. him and she does the acting ahead of time yeah, where she's that was like faking it mm. gosh i was like that is why they cast her like that yeah. did that scene is the reason that they cast judy greer because she was yeah. that was perfect perfectly mm. executed gotcha yeah <laughs> and I the daughter's agree. like <laughs> yeah what's happening <laughs> So her daughter is played by Andy Matichak, and it's her big screen debut, similar to uh, the original Halloween movie being Jamie Lee Curtis's big screen debut. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one thing I think is interesting is that was a very conscious choice because there were a lot of people who were interested in that role. So both Emma Roberts and Lucy Hale actually contacted Danny McBride about being that part um but he wanted to go with somebody who was unknown mm-hmm. yeah i thought i thought she was great to be honest um, yeah she has a lot more stuff to do especially in halloween ends um it's just such a shame that one is that film isn't great but she's fantastic in that film the one really great positive about halloween ends it's just yeah I don't know. What do you guys feel about like the, all the high school stuff and the Halloween party? Like, it did feel a little out of place. I thought it was me. hard to follow, and so yeah. because of that, I felt like it was out of place. I think they could have done it in like a little bit of a different way that made it more 
easy to kind of comprehend the story, like maybe like dumb it down a little bit. Cause I think they had like too many high school kids that had storylines that you only got bits of. And then it was making them kind of like overlap. And I was, I was confused. And then like, I thought I liked the boyfriend and then I hated the boyfriend. And I was yep. like, this, why is this, why am I worried about the boyfriend? Like he's the least of my worries, to be honest. Yeah. I, I didn't think the high school storyline was hard to follow. I just thought it was unnecessary. I think it was kind of a distraction. Like, I think it was almost meant to like make you put your guard down. You're like, oh, okay. We're just like looking at these kids or whatever. And then Mm -hmm. you'd see like, you'd see Michael Myers like somewhere in the next scene or whatever. I think it was just kind of meant to be like fluff in the movie so that you're not expecting like what's coming next. Mm. Yeah, but I hate that, right? Like <laughs> having to put fluff in a movie. Like this, I like this it. movie. This movie should <laughs> it shouldn't need fluff. Like it should need the parts of the storyline to add that trauma. And then I think it's just like directing choice, like writing and directing choice, like stylistically. That's how they yeah. wanted to do it. That's what it was meant for. It yep. worked for some people, doesn't for others. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Uh. I quite liked, uh, was it Corey, the third wheel guy? Um, it was yeah. quite funny. <laughs> just, you know, the drunk kid just trying to kiss Allison. That I was like, dude, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, stop. <laughs> You're ruining everything. But I liked his death, though. And that was kind of like one of the best kills for me, where like yeah. Michael is just kind of in the bushes and it takes you a minute to actually mm-hmm. spot him. You're like, oh shit, he's in the bush- bushes. Yeah. And it was quite yeah. clever with like how and really simple as well with the floodlights coming on and off. That was really cool and pretty I gnarly did as like well. That. Yeah. And you see his chin on top of the railing. I was like, ooh, that's nasty. That <laughs> felt like a very like Michael Myers kill. Like that's oh, how yeah. that like it was portrayed in the original. Like you would just kind of see the dead person. Like you knew it was happening, but then they would just be dead. Yeah. But one thing that kind of really bothered me, though, about that character was when he says, I know the guy's drunk, but when he says girls with really sexy girls were like feeding me guacamole, I'm like, and you <laughs> left the party? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> it was Feed really all weird the guacamole. <laughs> all those like silly little bits throughout the movie because yeah. they were like pretty well-written funny parts and they just like really stood out because Mm -hmm. they contrasted so much with everything else that was going on yeah yeah Yeah. i did love michael in the bushes because it kind of like highlighted like the white (laughs) of the mask a lot it Mm -hmm. definitely gave it a very great creepy feel there Mm -hmm. okay so let's talk about the effects in the cinematography then so Mm -hmm. this movie was filmed in charleston And it was shot in about 25, 30 days. And they obviously had to like shoot it mostly at night. Um, Michael Simmons was the cinematographer on this one. He tried to keep it like true to the original. He shot an anamorphic several times. um, And he also used like violence and scares that played out in wider shots with minimal edits um, to kind of keep to that like slasher feel. But this was though the first Halloween, like the first movie in the Halloween franchise to be shot digitally. Yeah. Which cool. is why it looks so different from the rest of them. Yeah. I you know, if you listen to my podcast regularly, you'll know <laughs> I'm I'm kind of a big fan of 
films shot on film because mm-hmm. it just looks mm-hmm. really nice and beautiful whereas yeah, digital stuff can feel a bit stale but i don't i still think the the cinematography in this was pretty cool actually mm-hmm. um i do question some of like the wanna shots here like one of the first like kills that um michael does where he's like walking down the street um, I know a lot of people, a lot of like Halloween Halloween fans kind of like this, but for me, I'm not sure it was completely necessary with the fact that, you know, Michael Myers is just like walking into houses and killing people. That's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of what horror fans, Halloween fans, want. Um, but for me, like, I just felt like the tension and the atmosphere wasn't earned for those shots, and I didn't really feel it with that. Mm-hmm. Um, because he just goes into one uh, house, picks up a hammer, kills a woman, like comes out and then sees someone in a window. He kind of like walks all the way around. The camera kind of stays on the window. You see his shadow mm-hmm. through the house, comes through, stabs the girl through the neck. And I was like, whoa, that's that's pretty interesting. But like, I, it didn't really fill me with a lot of suspense. It's a really cool shot mm-hmm. and all. Technically, it's yeah. really great. But like this is supposed to be a horror film. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Like, I I think that made it less scary for sure. Yeah. Because like, like I said, I wasn't really scared throughout this movie until like kind of the yeah. very end. Yeah. Um, I think what makes Michael Myers like as a character so scary, at least from, I've only seen these two films, the original and then this one. Mm. What made him so scary in the original is that he like, it was like a stalk and then kill. It wasn't yeah. like, he was just killing people to kill them. He like was very clearly targeting these three girls and then took his time, like scaring them and killing them and then dressing them up and like placing them about. And you don't really get any of that in this movie. Putting his wall art up on the wall. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Getting back to like the, um, the way it was shot, like, and you mentioned the mask and the bushes and stuff. Yeah. So I listened to a podcast, the uh, Go Creative Show, and they had Michael Simmons on it. And he was talking about how the mask was actually like a bit like a challenge for him because because it's white, you can't put light like directly on the front. You have to use like right. either backlighting or side lighting. And so mm. I think it's cool that that shot you really enjoyed because that was probably a challenging one from a like a filming perspective especially at night too Mm -hmm. so we talked about it being filmed digitally and Courtney and I have talked about this before I can't remember if it's been in one of our episodes or just like us talking Mm -hmm. but sometimes when it's shot digitally it makes it look fake yeah because it's like Mm -hmm. almost too crisp and too clean and too clear and that takes you out of whatever's going on in the movie and I don't know what they did uh, with the digital production here, but it I didn't get that feeling at all. Like I almost didn't mm. know that it was shot digitally. Like they, they did a good job keeping the eerie, like spooky, older feel mm. of it. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if it's because it was also dark and it was like shot at night. That know. had something to do with it. Yeah, it's always an advantage shooting digitally when you've got a lot of night scenes. So, with like when you shoot film for night for night scenes, like you've got to have a lot of lights on to 
uh, to shoot that way. So, mm-hmm. how did y'all feel about the slasher effects in the movie? Um, I thought they were good. At some points, I thought they were like a bit over the top. And one example I have is when Michael Myers steps on Dr. Sartain's head and it just like, <laughs> like I don't even know, it's like a balloon and it like Pumpkin. squashes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was definitely a bit much. Um, God, that was a weird choice with that Dr. character. Um, yeah. <laughs> when, like I, I can understand him like killing, like, well, trying to kill the sheriff um because he wants to like study michael you know keep him alive and stuff but like it was a little dumb as well the fact that he kind of he takes michael into the back seat and like allison's in the car as well the cop car obviously the doors are locked and then allison is obviously terrified and (laughs) but i'm like surely michael myers is definitely gonna wake up soon and he just kills the doctor and not Allison. I'm like, Allison's like right there. <laughs> yeah. So that was a bit he had to go out of his way to not kill her in that moment. Yeah. I feel like, especially knowing him, like he could have just gone over and punched her face and it would have <laughs> like squashed like a pumpkin and he didn't do yeah. that. And so that felt pretty unrealistic. And like just the fact that she like couldn't get out of the back and she like, it, it, she didn't even look like she tried the car door. Like I was like, yeah. girl, like <laughs> do something different here. Yeah, but also like the biggest sin this film makes is the fact that the doctor puts on the mask. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? What's that? (laughs) That was, and then he just takes it off when he puts Michael back in the car and like leaves the mask right by him. Yeah, I feel like they were trying to build him as like a creepy character too. And I just don't think that they did a good enough job with that because they didn't like give you any sort of backstory mm-hmm. to think that he was going to do something like that so then when he like switched and became really creepy i just mm. i don't know i didn't really buy it was it. kind of it was kind of very like thrown away as well like as soon as it's revealed that he's kind of quite a, a bad character evil character like he gets killed pretty quickly yeah and especially when you put in quite a dramatic moment where he's actually putting on the mask I, I mean, did they just do that to piss off fans? I don't know, but mm-hmm. it just did not work really. And then to just kill him straight away, not cool, people, not cool. <laughs> I I think for so for me, him like killing the cop and putting the mask on kind of made his behaviors make sense. Okay, and also like his behaviors from the beginning of the movie him like being like Mm -hmm. having to be with Michael Myers. Like I have to ride with him as he's being transported. And then like Michael Myers just like somehow gets out of his restraints and is able to like overtake all the police officers on, like he's had some help. So, you know, like this doctor maybe has let him out. And then also the doctor, like putting the mask on, I think was their attempt at setting up for sequels of having like Michael Mm. Myers, Yes. Um, like copycats, like people who are like assuming oh. his role, like moving forward with movies. Cause originally they were going to have two that came after 2018. So I don't think that there's anything in production where they have any plans for that. But I think that was kind of them like setting up the stage for like, Hey, people are intrigued by this guy. And 
like potentially copycats could be a thing because the doctor even says like is this what it feels like for you to like kill someone like yeah i think that's kind of the only real reason why he puts the mask on it's just he kind of wants to experience maybe what it's like to put the mask on and if he can get into like this evil serial killer type mentality mm-hmm. kind of but it doesn't really work for me <laughs> it just Let's looks so they, stupid <laughs> they did make those two movies that's Hall- halloween kills and halloween ends yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so but he doesn't they didn't kill him then at the end of this movie when they blew up the house <laughs> i don't think so no they don't <laughs> that's insane i mean they never yeah. show him being no. killed like they none just of the show... movies they never show him dying and he never dies so yeah well mm. the mistake laurie makes at the end of this film is she doesn't call the fire brigade she doesn't call the fire brigade and say don't come to my house <laughs> oh, so, okay. yeah interesting yeah. Yeah, I actually Andrew. quite like Halloween Kills. There's some really interesting ideas there with like mob mentality and what it does to a community. Um, yeah, and then it's kind of frustrating because like it, that film is very open ended with what you have in a lot of like second films in a trilogy, and it kind of makes you have to watch Halloween Ends as well, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I quite like Kills actually. Cool. Yeah, they've got it. They've got to get creative with them at this point right because that'll be Mm. like the the 12th and 13th movie in the franchise so yeah i mean in kills he kills a lot of people yeah (laughs) i mean a lot of people (laughs) okay so i want to go through some notable scenes of the movie we've talked about some of them so we'll probably skip over those but one we haven't talked about a ton is kind of towards the beginning when the bus that's transporting all the patients including michael myers crashes and you get like a father-son duo who come upon the scene and try to kind of figure out what's going on and there's all these like patients just like walking around like <laughs> that's a callback just... to the original yeah mm-hmm. I, I i definitely really enjoyed that actually you definitely got that kind of similar spooky vibe from the original um with you know the headlights and and all the patients in their randomly white gowns, being out you know <laughs> yeah. yeah and just like randomly on the road you know g- going in any direction I, I quite enjoyed that yeah yeah I think this movie does like what I've seen in a lot of the scary movies that I've been watching recently which is like they tried they overcompensate with like a some sort of emotional conversation with a character before they kill him off. So like Mm. right before the scene, the father son duo, they have this conversation where like the son and the dad are talking about like, he really wants to be like a dancer, but he also wants to go like hunting. And I was like, what is like, what is the point of this conversation? Like it's so kind of out there and like Uh, random. What's the musical Billy Elliot. Billy I was Elliot. just like, yeah, was, it, was there a one. Billy Elliot reference here or something? Yeah, yeah. And I think they're trying to build like very quickly, like, oh, this is like a really like wholesome, like sweet, like country yeah. family. Like the dad, even though he probably really wants his kid to be like a hunter, is like supportive of them dancing and like they're having a conversation about it. And then yeah. like, boom, this like crazy scene happens where he dies. 
Yeah. So we talked about Michael killing the podcasters at the truck stop. And then we also get a scene where he kills um, a babysitter who mm. is Vicky and she's babysitting the kid Julian. Yeah. Which that I scene mean, was that's kind a of- direct callback from the original because everyone that he kills in the original, they're all babysitters. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're I quite enjoyed that scene. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that scene. That was pretty cool. I like the way like she's kind of playing with the kids. Like mm-hmm. when she goes in when the kids like, There's the boogeyman in my room or and then um she goes she's into like, the room. Hey you, like, get out of there. <laughs> yeah. You know, fake doing a fake out and then um, you know, Michael's in in the wardrobe. Uh but again, I feel like that could have been directed a little bit better. It didn't particularly feel that scary. It was only kind of highlighted with music. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I enjoyed it like a lot. Like I thought it was really funny and I thought the little kid was really funny, but I also didn't think it was very scary. Yeah. Let Dave go first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let Dave go funny. first. Send him in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's the moral Aww. of the story. Always send Dave in first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then we get like the Halloween night sequence. We've talked about some of it. Um, and this is when Allison is walking home um, with Oscar. Oscar's killed by Michael. And then, and that scene was, we talked about that scene because that was where we have like the flashing uh, lights in the backyard. I thought that yeah. was pretty good. Um, but this is where Allison like has to kind of run, start running from Michael. And they just happen to be like close by where her grandmother's like farm compound house is. And she yeah. like stumbles upon the like training grounds. But like, how has she never been to her grandmother's house? Like, how does she not realize how close they are? And also, how mm. does she not know like where she is? when she stumbles upon the training grounds, like that whole thing was like very confusing to me. Yeah. It was kind of odd as well when she, she like stops in the middle of all these mannequins and like screams in fear. I'm like, Oh, okay. You're going to draw him to you. What are you doing? (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I kind of like the idea like David Gordon Green was going for with these mannequins. Cause like Michael Myers is kind of known as the shape um yeah he's credited as the shape yeah so i kind of like that final scene as well where like laurie is stalking well she's trying to look for michael and you have a lot of these mannequins around and i feel like they were kind of going for that kind of type of vibe of sort of matching up what michael kind of looks like and the way he moves Mm -hmm. in the kind of shape of a mannequin i kind of i kind of got that connotation but again i feel like David Gordon Green is is showing his inexperience with not making a horror film before. Um, I kind of like the idea, but it definitely wasn't executed as well as it could have been, especially when with like Allison running into that training yard. It, it was a little funny to me. It wasn't that scary. Um, yeah. I thought it was yeah. confusing more than anything, Liz, to your point. Like, I thought it was mm. – like, I couldn't really follow it very well. Like, how did she get there? Yeah. Like, I didn't really even understand exactly that that was um, Lori's training ground. Like, I guess that makes sense now after, like, 
thinking back on the movie, but definitely confusing. But I did think that the mannequins were very effective actually in Lori's house when she was searching for Michael. I thought they were super scary in that part. So they were a good concept. It's just, Martin, to your point, like that's a good example of like when they're used effectively versus like they're not really directed or used effectively in the Mm -hmm. wood scene like they had a lot of potential but just like didn't kind of come to fruition there yeah because i think you know david gordon green is certainly comes from a comedy background with Mm -hmm. was it your highness and and um pineapple express pineapple express Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you would think like he would be pretty good at horror but because like comedy and horror like the way you direct those scenes you're kind of getting a very similar response but just like slightly tweaks you either get a scare or you get a laugh so that's why like people like jordan peele is amazing because he did you know a lot of sketch shows in the past and then goes into Mm -hmm. horror and like makes some of the best horror films ever yes he's doing it kind of through the black experience with that but I haven't seen Your Highness or Pineapple Express, but I don't think they're that great. I don't think reading on those films with what the critics said. So I was just like, well, if you can't do great comedy, then maybe you can't do great horror either. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so in the podcast I listened to with Michael Simmons, the cinematographer, like one thing he said is that, yes, there are a lot of similarities between comedy and horror, but Mm. he's he said in his opinion that horror is the most challenging because sometimes you do film something and you don't really get a reaction at all because like, say for example, like you're shooting a scene and the scary thing in it is that like something in the background, like slightly shifts. So like you can think of that as like a viewer of a horror movie, like, like you see it and you're like, Holy shit, like that moved, like what the hell. But like, if you're filming that, like I can't imagine like something like that would be scary at all in the moment. So you, you're having to be really creative about how you film things to get the Mm. right effect when it goes into production. I mean, I quite enjoyed how like Michael comes out behind the mannequins. I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like I knew where he was in that scene. So I think that scene in particular, I thought was quite good, but I always, I kind of find it interesting. I think they kind of solve a uh, a story problem with costumes in this film because Alison and her boyfriend, <laughs> you know, dress up as uh, Bonnie and Clyde, but they, you know, they swap uh, gender roles. Um, so uh. Alison is is the male character, Clyde. So I was just like, <laughs> and I feel like they did that for a very practical reason because I think it would be kind of weird and stupid if she kind of came, it, you know, if they chose a different character, like, I know she comes in like a witch or a, dressed up as a black cat or a devil or something. If like, yeah, Alison, what are you wearing? <laughs> you know, when she comes to meet her mother and grandmother, tonally, I don't think that would have fitted very well. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the final sequence just in general because we've been touching on little bits of it. Um, but we basically end up with all three of the girls in the family in the house together and they're being hunted by Michael Myers, who's like lurking on the outside. And then at some point he comes in and Lori's hunting him down in the house. And finally Allison joins and, um, we get Allison and her mom like hiding out in the basement while Lori's hunting Michael upstairs. And it's, a very action-packed scene. A lot happens. You get some really cool moments. Like I mentioned, my favorite is when 
Lori is like looking through the house for Michael. I think that scene is really scary. Um, and then we get some really cool moments, like we mentioned with Judy Greer, like finally getting to kind of reveal that she is kind of a badass and got all this cool training while she was growing up. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of really interesting, those final moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it was a little short. I feel like they could have maybe added something extra in there when like you have all three of the characters there it was a really great reveal with judy greer and jamie lee curtis you know with greer with the gun and that that was kind of really cool but they kind of just keep it in the basement really of um you know they get michael down there and then it's just a bit of a a tug of war match with Allison's leg <laughs> or was it Greer's leg I can't remember but yeah that was kind of it and then yeah I think Allison's it down, leg but yeah bit of a tug of war but I, I, I would have wanted a little bit more dynamism and creativity maybe with that fight in particular but it was Karen's leg because Allison stabs him and then carries the knife around yeah oh, okay yeah yeah, good call. Yeah, because Karen like tells Allison to go up and then follows behind her. Yeah, that totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah, like a true mother would. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like that scene. I liked all like the the things that would happen in the house, like when the basement when she like pulled that crank and like the yeah the basement closed up and locked Myers mm-hmm. like down there and and then she like flamed the whole house with like you saw like sequentially like each room like Mm -hmm. the gas go and then they're like lighted up and uh, i thought that was really cool wouldn't have been Uh, cool though if like michael got caught in those like spikes as the yeah that would have been really gnarly like they just need to chop his head off like (laughs) i don't know why they're like oh fire will kill him yeah (laughs) i mean that makes sense to me i would like that's kind of like every like for example like vampire movies like everything you see they're yeah. like the only sure way to kill somebody is to burn them so like that's probably where my head would go so yeah they just totally needed to them. fill the house with axes um and chainsaws <laughs> maybe that's what allison will do in 40 years i guess uh. <laughs> i when i was watching that final sequence like i just kept thinking like after they lock him down there and then the fire starts and you start seeing everything like deteriorating, I was just thinking like the walls are going to come down and he's going to get out. Like (laughs) that's yeah. And then they never show him die and you see down in the basement and it's just like an empty window or empty door and he's not there. So, you know, like he's coming back. Yeah. It does end very abruptly as well. I think, I think I kind of had a little problem with that when they're on the back of like this truck, like driving away and they're just like Halloween. And I was like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Um, <laughs> I would have thought you would have had a bit of, a bit more of a revol- resolution at the end of this film. Um, mm-hmm. than they're just cutting straight away like that. But yeah, I, I, you know, I like the idea of the spikes going across um, like the basement door. But yeah, I feel like he could have got out because like the house is burning down. Like, yeah, he <laughs> gonna yeah, get out. It's wood, and unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, it's wood. Oh, it what 
is really interesting about the end of this movie is it's so action-packed and to me it feels like like it was the scary part of the movie like you're there's Mm -hmm. suspense build there's mystery there's some violence like that's like the scary point of the movie and the final sequence is like what people are hating about this movie like on the internet if you go read the reviews people are like it's literally supposed to be like a kill and leave like he's just supposed to kill and leave like why is why is this this whole like situation where he's like obsessed with her or whatever well they're probably unsatisfied with all the like slasher moments up to that point like they probably wanted some like really like suspenseful Mm. hardcore ones which we didn't really get so yeah they definitely saved those for halloween kills <laughs> yeah so i guess the moral of the story is watch the next movie yeah get pretty em. much <laughs> yeah and then stop there <laughs> <laughs> good to know <laughs> uh i'll have to hit up you said dustin was talking about how that one was crazy yeah we've yeah. had him on recently and um I know he likes horror movies. So if he mm. is saying don't watch it and you're saying <laughs> that, then probably I will not be watching it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> oh, the decisions, the decisions. Um, yeah. And then he goes and makes Exorcist Believer, which is even worse, in my opinion. <laughs> not good at all. <laughs> I mean, when it when it comes up saying a 15, I'm like, really? This is an Exorcist film. How is this not 18? Anyway. <laughs> but there we go oh yeah we don't have 15 here we just have uh pg-13 right. or r yeah so this one's r um okay is there anything else that y'all wanted to talk about about halloween 2018 before we move on to the ratings i don't mm. think so no i think well, a lot of my notes are covered <laughs> i will say this movie and the original were both released on Michael Miles Michael 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 Myers Michael. birthday. <laughs> Michael Myers. Yeah. The 19th of October. So they're oh, wow. yeah. released yeah. like exactly 40 years apart but also on his birthday. Which is kind of cool. What yeah, cool. one other thing that's interesting about this movie that I forgot to bring up earlier is that when this movie came out it became the highest grossing Halloween film just in its opening weekend. So it was actually like a, wow. a really successful movie. Um, the film grossed over $250 million worldwide, breaking like numerous box office records. Mm-hmm. And it had the second highest opening weekend in the month of October. Um, and it's the highest grossing film of the franchise. So I think of all the Halloween movies that we could have chosen, this was probably the most successful at least. Yeah. I think it was the most anticipated. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think when fans found out that, like, you know, John Carpenter was involved and they were bringing back uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, like, the excitement level was pretty, pretty hyped. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just other one moment that I remembered, which was pretty shocking. I was just like, wow, I can't believe he just did that, was, like, Allison's boyfriend when the, when Allison is, like, confronting the boyfriend and he like takes her phone and then drops it in that custard pudding thing. I was just like, whoa, that is a dick move, dude. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) He went from being like so sweet. Like he was nice at her like family dinner. And then like he like took a complete turn and was just like, 
a major asshole. And I was like, whoa, like I remember boys being mean in high school, but like not that mean, like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they were just showing him like being drunk and being stupid and they had to get rid of her phone yeah. some way because she, they weren't able to contact yeah. her. So yeah, he was true. the scapegoat. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't know. You whether... wouldn't forget after that that she didn't have her phone. So yeah, yeah, I don't know whether like Danny McBride was like into food comedy, food based comedy at the time. <laughs> I don't know. It's like yeah, let's put the Allison's phone face. in the custard pudding thingy. <laughs> That'll be funny. No, like it's a dick it out. <laughs> If if somebody dropped my phone in there, I would just grab it out and be like, okay, it's fine. Like in 2018 right. phones were phones <laughs> yeah. could stand some water back then too. Like, it's not yeah. like that was like a new thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Alison was like, like my phone's going to be fine, dude. Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's rate this movie. And as a reminder, we rate our movies on Letterboxd, so it's a zero to five star rating system with half star increments. And Martin, we're going to let you rate right. this movie first. So I feel like this one is slightly the best one out of the three new ones. So okay. I, I rate it on uh, Letterboxd. Uh, Halloween ends as two stars. Halloween kills as three stars. So I think I'll go for this one three and a half. Um, okay. So I think there's a lot of like really cool stuff for like Halloween horror fans in here. Um, like there are there are certainly some moments where David Gordon Green like really gets it really right, and it's really great to see. Um, but I just feel like it really lacks atmosphere. Um, I've wanted more Laurie Strode because I think that is a really great idea that they were going for. So. Yeah, just not particularly very atmospheric, and just the comedy stuff was really unnecessary, in my opinion. Yeah. And also, when like the dad dies, the husband dies, like no one's that bothered. <laughs> There's no reaction. <laughs> not even like, me. I didn't care. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. He's clearly not that important to your family. Okay. I do remember though, they're like running out of the house, and like nobody's concerned. Like they're like nobody mentions him, nobody thinks yeah. about him. Like, yeah, <laughs> poor guy got peanut butter on his penis, and no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was written off by the family. <laughs> so yeah, three and a half for me. I think like for me like the first film is a solid like four and a half maybe even five and then so i can hear you you're laughing yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um so yeah so i think it's it's a very mixed bag for me so three and a half okay fair liz what about you so you martin you must have been like so offended by my rating of the original <laughs> Halloween movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I watched these like one after the other. So I watched the original and then the next night right. I watched the 2018 version. I gave the original one and a half stars. And the, I I don't I don't know why, but I just like don't feel like the value in like the older movies like I can see for some of them but like just because it's like the old one or the original I'm not like oh my gosh like it's this all amazing thing and probably because I didn't grow up watching them that's probably part of yeah. it um but I watched the first one and I just thought it was like slow and like 
I just like wasn't scared by it. Yeah. (laughs) And so I, I rated, I also gave this three and a half stars, but I don't think I would have rated it quite as high if I hadn't watched the original first. Um, Like I don't think like standalone, this movie is completely fantastic. Like I don't, it's not like the best slasher movie I've seen. Um, But watching it after the first, I was just like, wow, this one was so much better. Like they did such a better job on this one, in my opinion. (laughs) So three and a half. Uh, Courtney, (laughs) do you do the editing on these podcasts? I do. All right. You might want to edit Liz's uh, review there because you might have Halloween fans coming after you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe so. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, Yeah, so... I haven't seen the original Halloween, so nobody can come after me, but maybe they'll come after me because I haven't seen the original one. Um, but I, I that probably did take away from my enjoyment of this film because I didn't like appreciate the callbacks probably as much as I could have. Mm. Uh, I gave this movie a two and a half out of five stars. And the main reason is because I didn't find it that scary. And yeah, I, I enjoy being scared. And... Like, it really wasn't scary for me. I almost rated it two stars. But the scene that I love where um, Lori's, like, walking through her house trying to find Michael, like, I thought that was really, really good. So that bumped up this maybe a whole half a star. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Cool. Yep. Okay. Liz, do we have any write-ins for this one? Yes. So I have three write-ins I wanted to share. Um, Two are negative and one is positive uh so okay, we'll start with the negative ones and we'll end on a high note so the first one i have is actually from dustin <laughs> <laughs> we've mentioned him a couple times but he said the beginning of the destruction of an icon i stopped being a fan of greens after this trilogy <laughs> very dramatic I, but we hear yeah. you dustin <laughs> gotta yeah, eat his I- vegetables man yeah that Um, doesn't surprise me i I I feel like i need to pull more people and see like how they think this one compared to the original mm because i feel like martin after hearing you say like the original is so much better like i bet that a lot of people probably feel that way i think the people who are like fans of the 70s and 80s horror movies are the ones that really appreciate this movie and if that's like not your yeah. style, those are the people that are probably like, oh, it was okay. Yeah. So it just like depends yeah. on what you're looking for. Um, the next one I have is from an account that it's not a name. It just says Nico.sfc. Um, okay. And it says totally garbage. I think kill and <laughs> ends are far better than the nostalgic exploitation that is 2018. Kill and ends is better. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I think it's definitely worth watching Kills and Ends. Like you know, without giving anything away with Kills, uh, with Ends, like like they definitely go for some big swings and ideas here. Uh, But it's just not particularly well thought out, and like nothing makes sense. But I I really appreciate like the ideas they were going for. So it's worth watching for that. Mm -hmm. okay um the last one i have this is the positive one it's from the movie buff dublin and 
They said really good. Wish kills and ends were like it. Okay. So we got Fair. two mentions Real. of kills and ends. <laughs> really like mixed bags there with the movies. Yeah. I think in mm-hmm. general, that's how it goes with like when it's like a iconic franchise that they're trying to like do a modern reboot. Mm. I think that's just how it goes. Like some people are really yeah. excited about it and some people are like, can you just leave things? Like just leave it. It's fine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Because it's such yeah. a simple idea, this kind of film. It's just like a dude in a mask and a, a mechanic's outfit, and he just goes around killing people with no motivation. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of room to like play with with that kind of character. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's interesting that you can like mine so many sequels from a very simple concept. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So what does the internet think of this movie or the public? Uh, so the letterbox average, I think, reflects that like mixed bag feeling. So there are 3.2 stars. But the Rotten Tomatoes scores, I actually think, are really high. It's a tomato meter is 79% and audience score of 72%. And IMDb is 6.5 out of 10 and 82% of Google users like the movie interesting yeah yeah so generally like pretty well liked Mm. yeah as i kind of said i think we all said that i think they just really go with some interesting ideas where they uh how they write laurie's character like Mm -hmm. i think they kind of really do that quite well with her trauma and how she's interacting with her family and they kind of definitely do different themes with like kills and ends like with kills it's kind of this mob mentality thing and 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 in ends it's kind of like survivor guilt as well they they explore as well um kind of briefly in that one so there's kind of really interesting things thematically and emotionally with laurie's character so yeah yeah so you either like the emotion or you don't like the emotion that's kind of like the feel Mm. i get here okay well martin it was such a pleasure to record with you and we love that we got the opportunity to have you come on the be critics podcast this time so thank you so much for coming we'll um give you another opportunity to like plug all of your stuff now so that people can find you yeah, this has been really fun. Thank you so much for inviting me on. This has been really great. Yeah, so I'm the host of the Film versus Film podcast. So we have a look at like uh, recent releases and pick a subject of uh, about that film. And we it could be a director, actor, a theme, and we talk about directing, uh, writing, and acting, and score out of ten and we see who wins so i pick a movie and the guest picks one um so yeah it's a lot of fun uh we are at film versus film podcast on instagram tiktok facebook and fef underscore podcast on well x now (laughs) yeah i still call it twitter so we're on there as well yeah it's twitter it'll always be twitter (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like HBO changing their name to Max. Like, that's confusing. I feel like people always just call it HBO. Yeah. And we're pretty much everywhere you find podcasts, pretty much. So. <laughs> cool. Well, everybody definitely go check out Film versus Film podcast. 
uh, if you haven't already. And go, definitely go check out the episode that Liz and I are on because it's really, really fun, especially if you're excited for the upcoming release of the Poor Things movie with Emma Stone. Mm. That's what it's supposed to be um, in anticipation of. So, Yeah. So that was the Weird yeah. Films podcast. So we did yeah, Altered States. Weird ones. <laughs> 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 altered States versus... Uh, what did I pick? Oh, the your killing pick of was, a sacred deer. Yep, or mm-hmm. how I like to call it, spin the Colin Farrell movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is the further away we get from me watching that movie, the more I like it. I like the killing of a sacred deer. Yeah, I, re- I really like that one. Um, yeah. I still really like Altered States 2, and frankly, when we finished You're on an island recording, on that one, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when i finished it i was just like hang on a sec i went to bed and i was like hang on a sec is it bottom of the list no (laughs) it can't be (laughs) so i got up in the morning i was like oh thank god it's not army of the dead is at the bottom thank god okay well martin again thank you so much for coming on it was a pleasure um we'll see you next time bye 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 And bye, B-Critics. Thanks for tuning in to our 2018's Halloween episode. Be sure to leave us a rating, a review, drop us a comment on YouTube, and leave us an answer to our poll and Q&A section on Spotify. You can find more information about the podcast and our whole podography on our website, bcritics.com, or you can find links to all the things on our link tree in the episode show notes. So this episode was the last of our spooky season episodes. And next week we're starting a Harry Potter marathon and we're kicking it off with a guest who has never seen any of the Harry Potter movies. It's going to be a treat. So make sure that you're subscribed everywhere so that you don't miss that first one or any of them really. Yeah. Get to live vicariously through somebody else watching the movie. It's like Mm -hmm. literally the best thing ever. We have some fun guests coming on throughout that, that whole marathon. So stay tuned yeah it should be a ton of fun and that will help you transition from the spooky season into the holiday christmas type season okay Mm -hmm. so be sure to subscribe and follow us on all the things so you don't miss it you can find us on youtube spotify apple podcasts or google podcasts all right i think that is it for this episode so we'll see y'all on the next one all right bye guys bye